the Classic Red Green Show podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Classic Red Green Show podcast. As always, I'm your fearless host, AJ. So here we are. This is episode 22 of the podcast, which I'm pretty excited about. We are really right on the heels of episode 21, which is kind of a long time coming, but we are back. Uh, We are definitely trying our best to keep things moving along, and that's why we're back so soon with episode 22. Um, It's a good episode. I'm pretty excited about it. I think... You're going to really enjoy it. I really hope you do. Uh, we've got a few of kind of our, our usual segments back. Uh, I know in the last episode we had um, just the, um, I guess, the, just the news, really. I mean, there wasn't much going on outside of that. But this time I think we're going to have a few different stuff going on. So I'm pretty excited about it. But with that said, let's get right into the show. And we'll get started with just kind of a quick monologue. So obviously, uh, before we get started with the monologue, I will say we should give a little thanks and a shout out to our friends over at Railline Design. Um, they've been really great to us here at the show, just kind of helping us out. Uh, you know, the little, little bit of funding we actually do get helps put the show together, helps kind of get the equipment or, you know, whatever else we need. And really, it just makes sure that we put on a great show for you. And, course you as a fan loving the red green show i think you can appreciate what a shoestring budget really means so um that that's really where we're at and it would be impossible to do the show without the support of rail line design so uh, we're just saying go out there have a look at what they offer i mean no pressure to buy anything but nonetheless i mean they have great products out there they're always bringing out new stuff i've hearing a bit of rumblings that they're looking to bring out um some variations on some of the products they have um can't say too much beyond that really at this point but you know keep checking their website out i think you will be pleasantly surprised with that so if you're looking for them uh, they're on facebook they're also just if you type in google rail line design i mean they should be the first thing that pops up uh, they're pretty common so get on there have a look at them help them support us by supporting them so really we're looking at episode 21 and i mean we are close to the end of season one actually and it's kind of hard to believe because you think of a first year show and it ends up going um i think it's 23 episodes or something like that which is that in itself is just weird um you know more or less because you're you're expecting you know maybe two dozen or something like that but um yeah i mean it's it's a first episode or it's a first season of the episodes uh, I, i'm you know looking at more of a, a modern twist of it you know something over the last decade, or maybe in two decades, most of these first-year kind of programs only go about 8, 10, 12 episodes tops. I mean, unless the network is putting a lot of faith in a show and, and just believes in the show, you're never going to go more than, you know, maybe 15. Uh, and then really, I mean, it's, it almost seems like it's a rare now for a show to get kind of a 18, 20, 24 kind of run on their first season. Um, and good and for bad, of course. I mean, obviously, 
if you're putting a lot of money and power behind that, um, especially advertising dollars, you don't want it to flame out and, and kind of cut it after, you know, three, four episodes type of thing. But, I mean, you're saying that that's, that you're committed to that. And I think that's really kind of the, the amazing thing about the Red Green show is you have literally a show that no one's taking seriously. It's just sort of filler and pow, you know, oh, let's go and give them, you know, 20 plus episodes for season one. Uh, I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that it's truly a shoestring budget that they operated under in that first season, subsequent seasons, actually, but um, I'm not really, you know, I'm really dumbfounded as, as to how they were able to do that, like, to actually get that sort of commitment from CACH, and um, obviously it worked out. I mean, we see the show go on to 305 episodes, you know, obviously a movie, uh, now it's a podcast, you still have the, the one-man show touring that had gone on for, for years, I, they've done an amazing job with it, I mean, it, who would have thought in season one that it would grow to what it's become, I mean, it's it's practically a record-breaking show, um, certainly from longevity, and and to see that, you know, that all gets to start in season one, I mean, if, we, if we're realistically only going to get a eight-episode season one, there's no guarantee that it's going to have legs to, to keep going. I mean, especially if that's a pre-internet age, you can't just have people, uh, you know, getting some buzz about it. It goes on Netflix, it goes on a streaming service, and maybe it's on the internet, people are talking, um, places to look at it are all over the place. I mean, even streaming it, pirating it, whatever. And, you know, this is either you watched it or you didn't. Um, maybe you taped it, maybe you didn't, but you had a friend who taped it and you could watch it later. I feel like that, you know, especially if you didn't know the show, you probably didn't do that. So, I mean, you're not really seeing much. And um, just just the sheer fact that, you know, you basically are at the mercy of the time slots that you were given. And that's kind of amazing. Just, just thinking about it, like, if you didn't get a, a good time slot, and I'm talking about prime time or, you know, even after work that, you know, maybe people are on on watching TV or whatever, you're just not going to get found in that time period. I mean, sure, there's TV guides, but I mean, who's looking for the Red Green Show in 1991 during the first season? I mean, you don't even think about it. Um, the only thing you might kind of have some wonder about it and, and maybe think about checking it out is, is if you're watching the TV guide, you know, flipping through every week, you know, there's suddenly this new listing, you know, maybe that catches your eye so it's something to really think about i think and um when i think back about it i mean even myself as a kid not seeing it until i hit comedy network and that was probably 1996 um complete coincidence that i had seen it uh if it wasn't for that and just the sheer fact that i mean comedy Network. to be fair i mean steve smith really sold uh, the show to the comedy network um, it met a lot of the needs for the fledgling network at the time I mean it was just starting up they needed uh, you know <laughs> of course as it is they need filler um, but they definitely need a Canadian content aspect and I think that in order to get the network approval in the first place they had to really sell uh, the whole aspect of, of we're gonna have a lot of or really celebrate Canadian comedy and you know being a, an up-and-coming show at the time and again, you know, they only had really five episodes or five seasons under their belts. I mean, you know, they're starting to roll, they're starting to make a name for themselves. But by this point, are just starting to, 
you know, there's still kind of that weird spot of, of flipping around different different networks. You know, they run CHCH, they run YTV, technically. Um, they were on, you know, global. Um, and at this point, they're, they're really looking to get into the States. And obviously, they're getting some traction there with some PBS stations. Um, but really, I mean, we're not even at the CBC area yet, where you're getting a lot of stability being on CBC. So, um, you know, this is a really, I mean, and again, looking back at Nice Sex, that was a, that was a major score for them to get on Comedy Network. But again, it goes back to, you know, the original point, you know, how would you have found them in the first place? I mean, if you didn't have CHCH, you, you would never have seen this. Um, chances are, if you didn't have kids in the house, you didn't watch YTV. Um, and, and I do have, and it's funny enough, we'll, uh, get into that in a future podcast, but I'm, I'm digging it up. I do have footage to verify that it did actually, in fact, they did air the show on the YTV. And, and for those of you who aren't from Canada or um, didn't grow up with it, YTV was a channel created uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, and it was dedicated towards children's programming. Um, it's still very popular today for that. Um, certainly grown. Uh, my opinion, it's gotten worse. I, I think the, the real golden era for that, that channel was was definitely the 90s and into the 2000s, but it's still very popular, and, and again, not at all the type of show that you would have anything remotely that you would think of related with the Red Green show, but once again, Canadian content, something they could fire on, you know, at night, um, you know, maybe some of the slapstick humor appeases and interest some of the, you know, teenagers or older kids, but um, yeah, it was there, and um, you know, we've got Comedy Network, you know, picking them up. I mean, they're starting to get some traction, so it's, it's kind of neat to see how, you know, people did discover this slowly. Um, I mean, it was a lot of work, a lot of fighting by, you know, Steve Smith and, and company, but they were able to get some sort of a fan base together, and it all comes back from that season one, so um, pre- pretty interesting when you think about it. I mean, it's, you know, to be a fly on the wall, to be, to be old enough to appreciate and Kind of notice the show in 1991 or two on CH that that would have been really cool, you know. But again, it comes back to you know, how you would have found it. And uh, I put the call out to anyone really, if if you remember, and you're old enough at that time, in you know 90, 91, 92, and you had access to CH, uh, right into me at the website. I, I'm really curious to see your experience. How did you see the show? Where did you find it? Uh, what were you looking for? Uh, did you just happen to stumble by it? Did it just come on? Was there a commercial that kind of piqued your interest? You know, throw whatever, whatever it ends up being. I, I'm just really curious to see that, get your experience, and I'm, you know, I've got some thoughts. I want to see. I don't want to say anything. I want to see what thoughts are, people's experiences come in, and I, I'm really curious to see where it goes. So, if kind of my thesis here is um, is correct, so um, yeah, definitely let me know. So with that, I think what we'll do is we'll get right into our mailbag segment for the week. Okay, so we're, we're going to start off with our mailbag segment, which I'm pretty excited about. We only have the one instance, though, this week, of course. Uh, but, I mean, one is better than none, and I'm pretty excited to have kind of some interaction with you as, as fans so please keep writing into the website or directly in the show itself and I, I'd love to have you come on 
with your question on air. So, um, our mailbag today is just this one letter. Uh, it's from Ronald Thomas, and he comes from Streetsville, Ontario. So, kind of in that GTA, uh, Greater Toronto Area, uh, part of the province. And he says, I know uh, you're a fan of the first seasons. Obviously, classic Red Green Show podcast, right? Uh, and he goes on to say, in doing season one, what's the biggest takeaway of the season? Why do you think they got renewed? And it's funny he mentions that. And I mean, obviously, I read this before, and that's kind of where my monologue was shaped to. But I mean, it's interesting to think about, like, why does a show like that get renewed? Um, you know, and again, it goes. I think I, I've been clear in past episodes about my thoughts on that, to some degree, um, in the sense that it was a very from a business perspective I'll say it was a very cost effective show for CH to some degree and it meant a lot of the Canadian content kind of regulations that they had to abide by where they had to have so much time dedicated to Canadian content of any way shape or form and um, the show really meant that it was something that I think was just a good fit obviously the um, CH itself was very comfortable with Steve Smith. Um, they've done a lot of work with him, you know, at that point of the last decade or so. Uh, he was certainly a local icon in Hamilton, Ontario, and it was just a, a very comfortable fit. I think he was able really to sell that, the show and to sell, hey, let's bring us back for another year to the network and, and kind of say, you know, like we had good numbers. I mean, there weren't anything really crazy, but I mean, it was clearly there's enough people that it makes sense. And I think he was able to just push that through. I mean, I can't speak to, and obviously I won't speak to Steve Smith on this or, or anyone from the show, actors or whatnot, but I can't speak to specifically the management at CH because, you know, my theory is that um, perhaps they saw something of interest in the show where, you know, hey, this could be something big. Um, obviously I can't say for sure that that happened uh, but I mean I, I think that that probably happened um, just because of how relatable the show is and it's been proven that way because it's become such a cult classic you've got um, you know it's still like in our last episode for example you have you know that, that smashed up BMW that was pulled over by the police in Toronto on the 401 and, and there was duct tape all over it and, and a lot of the posters on the internet were saying, hey, this looks like he's delivering the car to Red Green, and, you know, this was this car in the Red Green show, and, and things like that. I mean, it's clearly, even today, after 15, 16, 17 years, uh, since they stopped filming episodes, it's still in the psyche and kind of the larger Canadianity up here in Canada, and, and it's still, it's just something about it, something about the show just triggers the people. And I think you could see the beginnings of that really solidifying in season one. And I, my hope, and again, this is where I'm thinking, is some of the management at CH decided, after reviewing the, these episodes, hey, you know, there's a certain feeling here that I think people could appreciate, and I think this show will do well based on that, and it's worth going for a second season and kind of seeing where they go with it. Um, now again, here's the wild card I'll, I'll throw out there. And season one is more of a traditional version of the show that we know and love. And certainly in the later seasons, it's very comparable. I mean, season one is very structured. They have, you know, your first monologue, obviously with Harold and Red. 
you go right into um, maybe a campfire story or a poem. Uh, from there, you're going to go right into um, Handyman Corner. Um, probably coming out of that, you'll go right to another poem or a monologue, straight into a monologue perhaps. Um, then you might do a segment, you know, obviously with your, your one actor, guest type of thing, with Bob Stuyvesant or um, maybe at the Marina with Glenn Braxton or something. Um, you know, another poem kind of thing, Range of um, Adventures of the Bill, um, and then straight back into your closing monologue. And it's very, very structured that way. And we do see that formula continue from season three forward. It does get tweaked as you get further past season three. Um, certainly into the CBC years, you'll see a big tweak on that. And they get, to some degree, a bit more polished in how they do it. Uh, season two is just a complete wild card. I mean, that that's so different. And I know there's been some frustration with some of the people involved with the show, Steve Smith in particular, about how you know maybe they shouldn't have done it or that type of thing. But there's obviously at the time a very interest in hey, let's let's make this more sitcommy uh, as opposed to. Um, and to be honest, I don't even know what you would call the Red Green Show. I don't think it fits in a particular genre, or obviously comedy, of course, but like from a show structure kind of point of view, is it really a sitcom? Is it a clip show? Like, I wouldn't say it's either. I mean, you know, it's just, it's not. I don't think it, I don't really think it fits. You know, season two, I think it fits. That is a sitcom. I mean, 100%, I think it's a sitcom. Um, and I think. That also is, like I said, what prompts these these decisions from a business perspective is, okay, we saw what you could do with season one on this kind of structured approach. Hey, you sitcoms are really hot right now. I mean, think of 91, 92, 93. You got a lot of big sitcoms going in kind of modern TV at the time. You know, for anything from Cheers and, um, you know, Wings, of course. Um, Married with Children's really, really hot at the time. You know, I could go on. Um... You know, so there is some allure to go towards, hey, let's see what we could do with the sitcom. We've got a great concept, we've got great characters, and we really establish them. Uh, you know, what happens if we kind of blow it up? We've had all these extra characters we talked about. You know, they're fictional characters or unseen characters. Let's let's see them. And kind of like, what can we do with that? And I think that's kind of where they wanted to go with it. Maybe um, to appease maybe management or to, to, to peak management enough to get that second season and kind of get it renewed. Again, that's another thing I've been thinking about. I haven't been able to reach out to any management at CH. Obviously, I haven't talked to Steve Smith himself or any, anyone behind the business side of, of SNS, so I, I can't get that perspective, but that's just really where I'm speculating. That's probably what happened, and uh, I'm hoping eventually I can find answers because I think it's really interesting why we would or where we'd find out you know why did you guys do that you know obviously you got a renewal you know is there a specific reason for that and then of course the transition into that sitcom for that one year kind of as an experiment um you know what what prompted was that a business decision to get renewed that prompted this and then of course what prompted you to turn back to that structure format in season three and also get that renewal for season three because again it's part of the story here is season one to two and getting that renewal but then there's the two to three where you tried this very very different concept on the of the same thing and obviously it didn't work for you know some reasons um 
like I said, I think Steve Smith wasn't a fan. It's not going to work for that reason. So what prompted you to go from there back into this other one, but also to get that renewal? And that's the thing I've, I've always been really interested about, but I haven't really found an answer I like. So in the future, I mean, I hope to find it, but we'll see where that kind of the truth comes out. So I think it all I have to say, I think that's kind of how and why it got renewed is that really it's just a case of, you know, let's try this little thing that's different, but, you know, we're pretty sure it'll probably be something that works. So um, I hope that answers your question. So that, that's our mail segment for today. So I guess with that, we're going to get right into the news. start this off. I've got a few news things here. I'm kind of excited about it, actually. Just There's a lot to it. Um, I'll kind of start with some easy stuff. So, I, I found a Yardbarker.com episode about the best reoccurring Seinfeld characters, and this is from 10 days ago, so um, this would be around December 1st. You know, basically started December 2022. 20, and they kind of detail the best of all the Seinfeld characters, and of course, a few of our friends from the Red Green show do make it into the, sh the Seinfeld show, which is kind of amazing because that's such a landmark show that everyone's been, um, you know, obviously everyone knows. I mean, how, how do you not know, right? Um, so I've been kind of going down the list here of these characters, and something really caught my eye. Uh, of course, if you go to number 18 here, it's uh, Lloyd Braun, who's a character that has somewhat ended up, you know, coming in and out of the show a little bit. And uh, you'll notice a, a name that might be familiar to all of us, it should be, Peter Kellen. And, um, you know, he was on Seinfeld, which is pretty cool. So, uh, what was also interesting about this is... The character of Lloyd Braun was actually played by Peter and another actor called Matt McCoy, um, which was kind of weird when you think of, you know, obviously these are over different seasons. Um, Matt McCoy played the character later on um, in, in a very famous episode where he has a nervous breakdown. Um, he was seen, you know, obviously selling computers for George's dad, a very kind of funny, um, well, obviously there's the gum one too, but these are two funny episodes. Uh, but Peter Kellen was the first character or first actor to play the character, and obviously made a pretty big impact to be 18 out of 25 of the reoccurring characters. So I thought that was really cool because that's um, certainly an iconic television show and something that we have a red green tie to. Um, kind of the next one I'm looking at here. This one is a November 25th, 2022 article. Uh, off the Hamilton Spectator, uh, titled Hamilton-based sitcom Pink is In Could Find a Spot on U.S. Streaming Service. So uh, we've been kind of following this particular one, um, the show, for a little while here, certainly over a year. Um, the show is important because uh, we have, again, another friend of the Red Green show on here, um, Patrick McKenna. And uh, he ends up playing a visiting warden, um, and then ended up kind of becoming a regular on the show, especially from season two forward. And they're pretty excited about it because they think that they're going to get themselves onto Netflix in the next year. 
um, certainly something that would be super helpful for the show and would guarantee probably another at least season I would think so pretty cool to see uh, Peter or Patrick McKenna, Patrick McKenna get on to the show and kind of doing his thing and, and it's really kind of uh, going somewhere really blowing up so really nice to see him getting some success here obviously outside of the show like the Red Green show uh, but some, you know continuing to be involved in these really iconic shows like you know Red Green of course you know Traders and, and so on so uh, very 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 cool um, another one we're looking for is kind of a, this one's a November 1st, 2022 article from the Stratford Festival Reviews.com, and it's talking about the Stratford Festival 2023 cast with photos, and uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, the Stratford Festival is a very, very major event in Stratford, Ontario, uh, massive in the acting community, uh, and certainly worth checking out if you're ever in the area. We have another friend of the show, of course, who's involved, They're kind of doing the 2023 festival uh, sort of like amp up, and uh, we have Paul Gross, who is uh, uh, doing a couple of guest appearances on the Red Green show as well. I mean, he's a, a iconic Canadian actor who's done all kinds of stuff over the years, um, certainly had, um, you know, tons of hits, tons of movies. I mean, he's just doing everything over the last, you know, say, not between 95 and, and 2015. He's in all kinds of stuff and big stuff in Canada. So it's awesome to see him have some success. He is going to be returning to the Stratford Festival in 2023. So if you're going to be anywhere around Stratford or even thinking about going to Stratford, I suggest you do it and give us some support. If you're a fan of the show, maybe it's worth taking a try you know, making your vacation this year at Stratford, uh, trying it out, giving it a go. Um, certainly something that would be pretty interested to see, uh, you know, character of the show, uh, still hard at it, uh, doing what he does best in Stratford. Um, another great article here, and this one's from uh, the Stratford Beacon Herald, so again, back in the Stratford still. And this one is from October 17, 2022. It's something I've missed, I guess, in our last podcast, but very, very important. And it's talking about Canada's Walk of Fame inductee, Graham Greene, honored with Hometown Stars Celebration in Stratford. That's right. Graham Greene, you know, from the Red Green Show, and I'm sure he was there from season three, I believe, a great addition to the show. Uh, he is now inducted onto Canada's Walk of Fame. So, uh, obviously, 2021, they did not have um, kind of the usual celebration and, and whatnot because of the COVID pandemic. Uh, so that was deferred to this year, and he was able to have his hometown ceremony, uh, be there with friends and family, and certainly have a, kind of a nice party for him there. So, um, very cool to see that. He's obviously very static. I mean, he's done all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, e even just stuff that, I mean, most people know. Dances with Wolves is probably his biggest kind of known thing. Massive, massive, massive movie. Uh, but, the, of course, The Green Mile, Die Hard with Vengeance. Uh, he's been on The Red Green Show, Rick Mercer Report, the Royal Canadian Air Force, which is huge up here. He's on Longmire. He was, or Longmire, sorry. He's on Riverdale. Goliath, American Gods, you know, his list goes on. He's done all kinds of stuff. Uh, so very cool to see him have that particular um, kind of honor and, and kind of uh, celebration of his career. So our last 
bit of news here. This one's a really fun one, so I'm really excited about this. Um, and this is from a past event, but I, I really wanted to highlight this because I think it's it's kind of that neat part of um, kind of a, a principal actor on the show, and kind of that backstory that, I mean, I'm confident that most people don't know about this. I certainly didn't. It blew my mind because I'm interested in the subject matter, and of course I'm interested in the show. Um, so I, I did not catch this out of either, but I do want to highlight it. And it's from November 6, 2022, and it's a CTV News Kitchener article. And it's titled, Model Train Show Rolls Back into Kitchener. And of course, um, this train show happened in early uh, November 2022, so th this has already happened, but that, that's okay. I mean, if you want to have more information, there's definitely lots of it online, including uh, pictures and video and whatnot. And uh, it occurred at uh, Bing Benjamins or Bingmans, I'm not really sure how to pronounce that, uh, which appears to be some sort of, um, kind of an, uh, festival hall or, or, or whatnot for these sorts of large-scale events. Um, and they're talking about uh, toy trains coming back to the city of Kitchener. Um, and notably, um, the main exhibitor uh, of this show is none other but Rick Green. And it's also been noted that he's been an avid collector of model trains for 60 years. Now, of course, that's been since he was a kid. That blew my mind. I did not know about this at all. And I, I have an interest in model trains and in the Red Green Show, and I have no idea about this. So it blew my mind. I really thought this was neat. It just shows a little bit more about Rick Green, the person, as opposed to, um, you know, the actor himself. And certainly, I mean, you know, Rick Green's kind of a, he's a brilliant guy. He's a kooky guy. And you can tell just how his mind works in some of the shows that he's done, um, you know. But to see him to do the, doing this is just like the icing on the cake. This is just amazing, I think, and um, really, really cool. Uh, he did make a couple of quotes just for the news article that I thought were fun, so I'll kind of mention them here, uh, just some of the stuff he said. So he talked about uh, mall trains as a you know, very, very interesting hobby because to him it can be so many different things. And again, this really shows Rick Green and kind of a ref reflection on him as an actor and certainly as a, a writer and that type of thing if you've seen um like for example prisoners of gravity i mean this is like this just goes perfectly with that for example so just love this and um he goes on to say that he loves building structures and some people are into rolling stocks or track work um, but he says that there's a generation coming along that are into the electrical and the wiring so they can control their all their trains from one little device, which is a good point. You don't have this big switchboard anymore that you typically would have. You just maybe have your phone or just one you know, touchscreen device and you can do everything. Um, but So he's, he's really interested in kind of like the other stuff that you just can't automate, you know, like putting those... that scenery together in those nice buildings so you know i really appreciate like even being an older gentleman now like he still has that insight of, of kind of where things are going especially in the hobby and maybe you know more so in just general life so i thought that was pretty cool um he also goes on and i, I thought this was interesting is that to him model trains is a fine art and 
to him it's it's the painting the architecture and the history and, and he goes on to say that he had to learn all this stuff and i thought that was particularly interesting as well um you know again saying that you could have that modern flair but at the end of the day i mean you still need to know the basics you need to know your history you need to put in the work um, or else you just, you know, it's not going to go anywhere. And I think that's a good lesson for all. And certainly, again, shows his thought process here where, you know, he's very creative, but he also goes back to the basics and the fundamentals and make sure that he does everything the right way, does it right, and, uh, you know, puts together something that's that's really creative and, and interesting. So um, a great appreciation for him with this. I'm, you know, I'm hoping he does more of these interviews and more work with the model trains. Um one day, to be honest, I hope Dave even asked him about model trains. So, um, obviously, Rick, if you're listening, you know, would love to talk model trains with you. So, very, very cool. I want to share that with our, our new segment. So, with that, I think we will get right into our episode of the week. Uh, of course, that is episode 22, uh, the new well. And um, if you want to follow along with us, you know, just keep listening. If not, if you want to cue it up or you want to take a bathroom break or get some food or, you know, let the dog out or, you know, go to work or whatever you want to do, um, maybe hit pause right now. Um, you know, cue it up. If you go into the Google machine, type in uh, Red Green Show, episode 22, it'll come up. It'll be the first thing there off the Red Green TV um, YouTube account. And, uh, you know, cue it up, get it ready. And we come back, you know, hit play with me and, uh, we will enjoy the episode. Okay, welcome to episode 22 of season 1 of the Red Green Show titled The New Well. So our synopsis today is uh, the men try to dig a new well. It tries to winch a canoe into a trailer with very hilarious results. Uh, Doogie changes the oil in his monster truck, which we'll have a little bit more on. Bill reveals the various methods of trapping and snaring. So, that'll be a pretty interesting show. Of course, we actually have the most, I think, if I believe, uh, characters on season, uh, season one show with five. Obviously, Steve Smith is Red Green. Patrick McKenna is Harold Green. Rick Green is Bill Smith. But then we have Bruce Hunter as Bob Smilesant. And uh, Ian Thomas is Doogie Franklin. So, should be a, a good show as always. Um, obviously, the release date was in 1991. I don't have the actual day time, but uh, definitely in 1991. So, um, yeah, we'll sit back and kind of get into it here. Um, great opening, of course. Typical Harold. Um, yeah, like he kind of, in this one, kind of gets lost in his thought process and then just jumps back into it here. Um, looking over there, watching him, so. We'll see if this is one where he actually remembers Harold's name, unlike some of the earlier ones in season one, of course. You know. Nice little slaps of humor. Um, oh, we'll see our, what our star wipe is today. Or I presume it's a star wipe. I'm different, but um, it's kind of neat because if you see those flannel shirts that they're wearing there, that's kind of what we were talking about earlier in the news segment about um, oh, right into the segments. Okay. Well, I mean, we have two different um, secondary actors, right? So, but. Um, yeah, you'll see those flannel shirts, and that, that's really like what they're what they're going to look like. So, um, if that's something of interest to you, then yeah, have a look. Campfire song, pretty classic one. So, must have been a hoot to, to film all these. You know, you got especially uh, Red's going to play a guitar, but um, 
Harold, of course, is going to play Spoons or play the uh, Gas Can. Now, the guitar I want to look more into as well and see if that's one of his guitars from Smith & Smith. Uh, I don't think you can see if there's... I don't think, believe there's a guitar strap on it. And if you remember, Harold Axe has the guitar strap on it, and that's the guitar strap from the guitar that Red, you know, Steve Smith, of course, had in Smith & Smith and some of his earlier programs that, you know, exist in the 80s. So, it's kind of neat. Of course, here we are. We're back at the, the farm here. Pretty popular spot for the show. They, they filmed uh, pretty much every year, I believe, at, at this spot, at one one way or another. Um, certainly in the last episode, the Adventures with Bill segments, um, last couple episodes have been filmed there as well. It's kind of a nice bookend of the series, but of course now we're going to try to back her up, and uh, no, not, not going not gonna to really work that well, so... That's, I guess, where we're going to go today. Great shot of the van. Um, that's the first van that they use. It gets retired and turned into a powder wheel boat in a future episode, in, I believe, season 7. So, uh, coming up in time. But, like the, the old spin there. Um, really selling it. Yeah, this week on kind of a pain. I'm assuming we're going to take this massive boat trailer. I don't even know if that is a, well, I'm assuming it's a boat trailer. Probably for a, for a larger boat, obviously. And, um, you know, put a, put a canoe. I think, I think it's clear where this is going to go, but it'd be pretty funny. They really sell that with Possum Lake being brown or kind of almost like a root beer color. Uh, for Joe Para fans out there, you know, the root beer aspect would be probably particularly of interest where, you know, it's not really a fantasy at that point where they do the one episode where he's got, you know, the pumpkins rolling over the, uh, well, the falls there and on the uh, Take a Fall Drive episode and, um, you know, explaining of it how that's, I guess the waterfalls there anyway, you know, look like kind of a root beer color to it. So it's possible. You know, the old possum plate right there, that, that was a legitimate plate. Um, they actually had that. That was um, the yellow plate. That's a legitimate Ontario plate. And um, the yellow plates were always used as um, dealer plates. So, you know, kind of when you're going to go ahead and test drive a car, they slap a plate on there. It's that type of thing. Um, you know, the dealers would have a series of yellow plates, they put it on the car, you test drive, whatever you want to do, and and then take it off. It's just sort of, it's like insured for a temporary thing. And of course, a lot of them would just drive around with dealer plates, you know. they drive around a car for about four or five months, uh, sell as a demo, and, and switch the plates, and go in a new car, and then they could, wouldn't have to buy a car, so that's pretty common. Um, but for, for, for many years, they were yellow like that, just to stand out. So you knew they were dealer plates. Oh, here we go, here we go. So, yeah, not really, not really straight there. Uh, but anyways, uh, dealer plates, and I believe now they're just, they're not yellow anymore. I think they're a, uh, like a red color or something, white out, outline or something like that, so. Yeah, a little bit of a change. I don't, I don't know why they went away with, I just think the yellow stood out, but, uh, anyway. Of course, ruining the boat here up and under, I mean, it's a great, great trailer, but just way too much for that boat, of course. 
Like I was just doing it, you know, not even looking. Just, I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it's a big surprise, you know. Good point. Oh. <laughs> you can just see him too, just give him shit and you know, have him come in there and, and kind of clean up the mess or whatever. And you know, why aren't you the spotter for me, kind of thing? And, and again, part of the way the, the writing on the show is great. Let's see where we're going to go. Oh, uh, Heart of the Fall uh, poem. So this will be pretty fun. I remember this. That was really weird to have all those leaves all over you. It's a good effect, though. Very good effect. Yeah, can you imagine they're just sitting out there for a day and just going, you know, reading segment after segment, just reading out of the book, different poems. But, you know, I don't know how many takes it would take to get it right. Maybe they just do one, but um, yeah, that would be something, alright. Always perplex me how they've got those like alligators in the back there. And they kind of come and go. I don't really remember them after, say, season three. Probably didn't get moved when they moved to Global Studios. And uh, but again, it's one of those things that like it just I get the taxidermy thing and and whatnot, but like I just can't see them doing that. Like that seems weird, kind of out of place for Possum Lodge, you know. So. Kind of makes you wonder what happened to them. It's kind of a weird thing. Sort of blend in, I guess. But, yeah. Oh, rated Bob. They did a lot of shots here at this golf course. and uh, I, I don't know where it is, but my understanding is it's um, up on the uh, Escarpment, Niagara Escarpment, uh, which would be to the west of Hamilton and, and kind of runs actually um, from Niagara Falls all the way up to just uh, west of Collingwood uh, in southern Ontario and a lot of great places to play golf there so I mean it legitimately could be a lot of them but um, yeah we're still digging into where specifically they did that um, and maybe even go down there I don't know how much it's changed but it would be kind of neat actually the old signs are still there Imagine those are legitimate signs. <laughs> Can't even spell foliage. Now here, I know where this is going here. Uh, you see the uh, various golf carts in the back. The uh, old style golf cart. Yeah, fire rooms and whatnot. So. And uh, you, know, you kind of look at, and I, I know well that's why, probably why they shot there at this time. It's probably uh, early morning, gray morning, you know, rain the forecast. No one's really playing golf. Um, so they probably get in there. I mean, it works for the segment, of course. We're talking about the storm. And, but, uh, yeah, it's funny how the segments, they always shoot it. It's obviously a kind of a weird day, time type of thing. And I don't, I don't think they would have paid to close the whole place down for an hour, but there's never anyone in the background, so. <laughs> Damn. 
Conveniently has two sets of clubs. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I can tell you, you come up here in Canada and you play any of the golf holes, and that pretty much is a golf set. You know, a couple of beer or whatever. Best is you go to, you're at the pro shop kind of thing, and, and guys kind of pull up with the electric golf carts or whatever, and they get out, and then, of course, they're done for the day, so they're going to pick the old golf bags out, and uh, you hear that rattle of beer bottles and that. And uh, yeah, I would think that's pretty commonplace, because I, I have to say, I hear that quite a bit. I like this part here. Give me a hand with the forum. You know, I just kind of get mad. You, know. you can see where this is going. I'll bet it'll take him about 50 minutes. Yeah, yeah. So. I think he may just have himself a uh, a second for his golf game. Maybe it is a great day for golf. Yeah, here's the thing: a guy like that, and I'm sure everyone's got a friend like that, right? Where it's super competitive, but they're awful at it or whatever, and you kind of show them up and don't really care, and they get really mad. Um, I would feel like that's like 50 minutes of that, and probably wouldn't want to be too excited about playing golf. Be fun to ask Bruce Hunter if he's he's actually good at golf. I'd be curious. He's not bad. Like that was a decent. I mean, he's obviously a chip, but like you know, he made good connection and. They obviously shot this in like one segment. You know, they're not cutting and pasting different angles and that type of thing where they can get away with that. So like he, he legitimately like just teed it up like that. And Steve Smith is a great golfer, golfs a lot. Uh, so this is a legitimate shot. Um, I've been I've been told that Steve Smith they would kind of do their prep and some of the shooting where they don't need him in the morning, and he would roll in probably about noonish do a couple of hours of shooting and be gone by three to play another round of golf. He'd be gone in the morning and go after after shooting. And kind of like some of the later seasons, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15. Um, you know, see, he likes his golf. There's <laughs> all the excuses. Oh, well, I don't think we can do this. You know, but once you're hooked, right, like you got kind of, you're on a bit of a roll, you want to keep going, so... Well, this is a pretty good one here. I'll, I'll let's listen in. there's any problem with like you know being out in like the water or whatever but like in the bush these earlier segments were they're a lot of fun but it was also like there's a kind of this level of believable um, that I would label it as where it's like literally a couple of guys going into the bush and you see just kind of on the left of them there's kind of a it's almost like a fence or a door but it's uh you know a couple of guys just walking into the bush and just doing something and I feel like that's how they shot the fag, but it's, uh, kind of, here's a loose idea. 
and here's kind of what we're going to do, as in, like, oh, today we're going to do snare or whatever, and, you know, here's a couple of props, and just sort of go with it, you know. Like, how do you know to do that? I mean, obviously, they, they cut, the, cut the tree, but, you know, it's like, how I wouldn't be the first thing I'd come up with, so, I don't know. Pretty good. And, uh, personally, I like the knife one. We'll, we'll see that in a minute. But, uh, you know, like, I can imagine if instead of two older guys, you know, imagine two guys, you know, two kids, you know, 10, 12, just going out of the bush and just having a, an afternoon. <laughs> There's that dummy again. Um, a bit of talk about that dummy. We're going to profile that more. Um, there's a couple dummies made. There's a prominent person who kind of does the sewing and stuff like that, makes them. And, and I, I do have a contact who actually purchased one of the dummies, and we've been kind of checking the validity of it. Um, turns out it's real. Um, and we've been able to pinpoint certain episodes where the dummy was actually present. I don't think it was this one, but it'll actually occur later on in, I believe, season four, five, and six. Um, Typically, a lot of the dummies didn't last a season, so um, it was kind of neat to have that pinpointed to those sort of things a couple of seasons. So, yeah. But again, to come, we'll profile that. This is hilarious too because it's clearly not the right size for that. It's way too heavy. But it works, it works, and then, uh, and, yeah. The, yeah, so here we go. This, this is great. I mean, this is. Incredibly dangerous. I mean, I can't stress that enough. Um, probably wouldn't do this uh, ever, but um, well, well, you'll see. You'll see. Could have been tighter. I like this part. You just you just vision it just sailing through the bush, and you know if you let go of it, kind of thing. So dangerous, but great for this segment. And you're like, well, what could you possibly trap with that? But oh. of course, that reversal shot there—they shoot that obviously in behind. But pretty fun. A little bit of movie magic that way. This is classic. Yeah. I like the big smile there. Oh, there we go. And then, of course, Red doesn't take the the uh, knife out of his hat. He just puts his hat back on. Hilarious. Toes are numb from the cold, like a family of ice cubes shivering beside their big fat mother. Oof. Frozen toes screaming in quiet pain. Is everyone else like the uh, welding goggles he's wearing? I always thought that was funny, but a nice touch. Uh, Harold and Red segments. He's uh, digging a hole in the driveway, I guess, from the looks of it. I also like how um, Patrick and Ed will kind of milk it a little bit, just the way he stands there, the awkward nature, the posture, you know, the weird bending, the way his legs twist. Usually it's the uh, right leg twists a lot. 
And you can see he's got a bunch of stuff in his pocket, so you're kind of like wondering, well, what could that be? You know, if you're looking today, I mean, you got cell phones or a tablet or, you know, whatever, right? But back then, I mean, there's not really cell phones. Definitely not ones you have in your pockets. I mean, you're kind of like, what are you going to have? Is it probably it'll be a notebook with kind of your lines, I guess, but. And I mean, this type of shell you have in your pocket, no one cares, but. Makes you wonder. <laughs> Make the luck. And he's still tied up. I don't know those little vignettes where they kind of continue, and, you know, the tie reading one is my best, but, you know. Here, Dougie with the monster truck. So again, we're back out to that, that farm. Um, the monster truck, and I found a lot of great de details about this truck, and, and I would definitely be profiling that um, soon. Hopefully even getting an interview with the person who actually built the truck. I have found that person. Um, the truck was built in the 70s, and then purchased in the early 80s, and then... Um, kind of beefed up and, and kind of rebuilt again. It had been sort of neglected. And uh, believe it or not, this truck was on the same circuit as a lot of some of the more well-known names of monster trucks, like Bigfoot, for example. Um, competed with a lot of legends of, of kind of the monster truck um, kind of history, uh, especially in Canada. It was very well-known. Um, so I'm going to be profiling that extensively. It's it is coming. I have to do a few more things, but uh, definitely in a future episode we're going to highlight the truck and um, certainly find out more information for you. I've got a lot of information about it. Uh, the website also will be updated, so yeah, just a really nice story. Unfortunately, the truck ended up going, gone missing. It was actually stolen. Um, it had been sitting for you know, several years uh, after, the, of course, its appearance on the show here. and um, Probably about 2010, they were going to start working on it again into the 2010s and ended up being stolen um, after the original owner had acquired it again and um, unfortunately it's still uh, missing so if you have any information on this particular truck please let me know like this uh, this dipstick here I mean it's just no possible way it's clearly a meter stick painted black but no possible way that would work I would guess so. I mean, that is true, right? Like, and it's amazing. They have those facts. Like, back then, there's no internet. There's no Wikipedia. No Google search. So, you know, you can find that out in about three seconds today. But uh, back then, I mean, you had to do your research. Big drum there. Pressure buttons. I think that's what he says here. Now, do it. It actually has had a couple of names. And um, and uh, we will we'll prof we'll let you know we'll let you know which uh, which of the the names over the years. I mean, not just the Red Green Show name, of course. Or 
question about here. I mean, we're obviously at the end here. They were able to squeeze that segment in and get a bit of a conclusion about the new well. see a bunch of these guys hanging around doing all these, oh, I can fix that. We don't have to get someone come in here and they just sort of, oh, I remember his name. But you don't have to remember it, you know, you just sort of just go down there and, and you fix it. It's all the antics that come about, it's more really about drinking beer and hanging out than it is about actually doing work, so, yeah. Makes sense, I mean, it's believable. That's the one thing about season one, it's, uh, it's believable. They're back chalking, chatting there. Kind of makes you wonder. It's also great this angle here because you see the like the light coming from the back there. And, I mean, it looks like daylight. I mean, I'll give them credit for that. Those set guys, I nailed it. SMS uh, logo there. So that was our episode of the week. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I guess we're going to end the show there and then just kind of move it along. Um, I know, you know we're getting towards Christmas here, so we're going to see move along with that. I mean, if you're listening to this in the future, I mean, it's probably close to whatever holiday it is close to when you're listening. So. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of leave it at that, and we'll thank our sponsors, uh, Railline Designs, for helping us out here, so check them out, and uh, I guess with that, we'll just say see you next time at the next episode, we have one more left in Season 1, so we'll see you then, tell your friends, and uh, keep looking for that episode to drop. So until then, keep your stick on the ice, as always. <laughs> <laughs>